Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Well, happy Mother's Day. Can we celebrate all the moms? Can we do that? <clears throat> Uh, being a mom is not an easy job. It is fitting and proper that we, we take time every day to celebrate and give thanks to them. Uh, but on this day once a year, it's more than, more than fitting that we take a moment and we stop and we say, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. And so to all those moms, I say thank you. To my, to my wife, I say thank you for being an awesome mom. Uh, my mom isn't with me anymore. She's in heaven about two years ago, she went to, to be with the Lord, and some of you have that same experience as well, and, and so this morning has those mixed feelings, right, where it's like you, you miss having your mom sitting next to you, you miss calling her and talking with her, and others of you are, are moms, and, and you've lost a child, and so for you, even this moment is, is bittersweet, and so we, we understand that this is not, it's not always just uh, roses and sunshine, and there's those hard parts to this that are there. And so we, we just want you to know that as a church family, we want to help you walk through that whenever that is. At the end of this service, we'll give an invitation, and if you just need to talk with the Lord one-on-one, if you need someone to pray with you in this season, we want you to know that we're here for you, okay? Well, one of the challenges, though, that comes with being a parent, an individual in any situation, really, is comparison. So we're starting a new series today on traps and trolls, and, and one of the traps that we get sucked into a whole lot in our country is the trap of comparison, looking at other people, wishing you had all the stuff they had, wishing you had the life they had, and today, man, with social media, it's everywhere, right? It's like you see these guys, they just... Uh, they just videotaped themselves, and they're making all this money. Matter of fact, the number one thing students list today is uh, what they want to be when they grew up as an influencer, a social media influencer. You know, gone are the days of doctors and, and police officers and firemen. It's a social media influencer. And not that that's bad. If you're using it for good things, it's good, right? Uh, just doesn't happen all the time. And so as we look at this, this comparison today, I hope that we'll, we'll give you some encouragement and some wisdom to understand what God's Word says about comparison so that we walk out of here not feeling like we have to compare ourselves to others, but we can just go before the Lord and find that, that joy of knowing who we are in Christ. Now, let me say comparison's been going on since the beginning of time. Cain killed Abel, his brother, because he was comparing himself, and instead of changing the things that were wrong in Cain's life, he just found it easier to kill his brother and change the comparison, right? And then you have Peter. Peter is the man that God chose to lead the early church. He denied Jesus three times, and so he was in a dark spot. Jesus rises from the grave, and he restores Peter in an amazing passage in John 21, because he asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And 
three times Peter affirmed that he loved him, and so it was a, it was a beautiful thing, an amazing thing where they're uh, affirming. And then at the end of that conversation, though, he tells Peter, listen, Peter, in your young days, you, you got your own clothes on, and you'd made decisions where you're going to come and go, but in your final days, others will make that decision for you. And the Bible says that was told to Peter to describe the manner of death he would have and the manner of crucifixion. And so when Jesus said that to Peter, Peter's response wasn't, okay, Lord, I won't mess it up this time. Okay, Lord, I'll be ready when it comes. His response was, well, what about John? Well, what's gonna happen to him? Does he get the cross too? Uh, He points to his buddy John, and the Lord says, well, Peter, if I choose to let him live until I return, what is that to you? The idea is quit comparing yourself to others. In this world, there are seven billion people. I think it just passed eight, didn't it? Eight billion people. And that means there are eight billion different individuals, and God hasn't made any two people alike. It blows my mind that you can have identical twins on the outside, but they are two very different people, right? We are all uniquely made in the image of God, and God created us differently for a purpose. It's a good thing. So why do we want to be like somebody else? Why do we want to compare ourselves to others only to get depressed and discouraged? Because that's not who God called us to be. But we do it. So we're going to talk about that today. And I believe the Lord is going to give us some answers on how to find hope and strength and all that. So you got your Bibles turned to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians is in the New Testament. It's a letter that a man named Paul, one of the early followers of Jesus, wrote to a church in a place called Galatia, and he's encouraging the people there and and challenging them, and interestingly enough, they're battling this comparison, but they're battling in the way of looking down on others and judging others, and instead of looking at others to, to be envious of what the other person had, they're looking at other people going, well, you guys aren't getting it right. Y'all aren't, y'all aren't doing as well as we are, and their issue was pride, okay? Matter of fact, in your first point there, if you got the listening guide when you came in, com- two types of comparison traps. The first one is comparison, which leads to pride, okay? Let's go, Lord, in prayer uh, and uh, ask God to speak to us, then we'll read Galatians. Lord, we thank you so much that your Bible gives us such wisdom for simple things like the battle of comparison that we have. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom today. Lord, there's a lot of folks in here that we came in today battling this this coveting and this pride, and I pray that you would reveal to us today that there can be victory over that through Jesus. pray that in your name, amen. All right, so the first challenge we have is when we compare ourselves to others, and then it makes us think less of others. That's, that's what causes pride. In Galatians 6, 1 through 4, it says this, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, and be careful not to fall into temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, 
you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I'll probably need to put that on the mirror in my, my bathroom, right? If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourselves. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. This is the danger. We compare ourselves to other people, and when we want to look good, we always compare ourselves to people that are doing a worse job than we are, right? If you get in trouble at work and the boss says, well, well, Steve, you're just not pulling your weight, what's the first thing you want to do? Well, what about Bill over there? He shows up later than I do every day, and he doesn't work as hard as I do. We never want to compare ourselves to the people that are knocking out of the park when we're in trouble, do we? It's like, well, what about John? He shows up 30 minutes early, boss, and he, he stays 30 minutes late, and he always does a better job than me. You probably ought to compare me to him. We don't do that. Why? It's because of pride. We, we want to look good when we want to look good, and we want people to acknowledge that. And when we do that, we tear other people down in the journey, and we destroy them. I love the fact he says, you're not too important to help other people. Do you or have you ever battled with looking down your nose at other people? Maybe because, maybe because you got more money. Maybe because you got more education. Maybe because you got more bling bling in your life. Or maybe because you got a better social media page. Or maybe because you're better in athletics. Maybe because you are always more accepted with people. Maybe you put your sibling down because of that. Maybe you put your family down because of that. That's pride. And when we do that, we're tearing at the very fabric of, of the people that God created. And when we compare in that manner, it's destructive. It's destructive. This kind of comparison is destructive to others. And so I'm going to challenge you, be careful on your social media page. There's nothing wrong with posting pictures of your family and, and things that are going well for you. There's nothing wrong with that. But be careful that you're not doing it to keep up with the Joneses, that you're not doing it trying to make other people look like less than, to make sure you've got a better, better social media post than your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law, whoever that might be. Be careful that you're not doing it to puff yourself up, to brag about all the stuff that you've been able to do, because that doesn't honor God. He calls that pride. And in, in Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 5, it says, The Lord detests the proud. Detest. Ooh, that's a strong word. The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. All right. So let us seek not to be prideful. Now, the solution comes in verse 4. Here's how we seek to do it. He says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. So here's, here's the secret. When you're at the job and your, your coworkers are not pulling their weight and it's not your job to be their boss, you can get frustrated. Anybody? Anybody, right? Okay, if you're at home and and you're supposed to be cleaning the house, teenagers, and your siblings aren't pulling their weight, can that be frustrating, right? If you are in a marriage 
and you feel like your spouse is only giving 20% towards this marriage and you're giving 80% and you feel like you're always having to do the extra work to make this marriage work, can that be frustrating? I'm not raising my hand because I feel that way. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, can that be frustrating, right? Okay, don't anybody raise their hand on that one, okay? Let's just put it there, okay? It can be frustrating. He gives us a solution so that we don't get depressed, angry, and bitter. He says right here, he said, pay careful attention to your own work. In other words, are you being the best spouse you can be to the glory of God? Are you being the best school teacher you can be to the glory of God? Are you being the best plumber you can be to the glory of God? Are you paying attention to your own work? If so, then you find the joy in that. You find the satisfaction before God Almighty. He is the Father that's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Way to go. Your boss may never recognize you. Your coworkers may not recognize you. They may even be embittered by the fact that you're working hard, making them look bad is the way they would see it, right? When they're the ones that are making themselves look bad, but they can blame you. Can you please slack off a little bit, man? Come on, you're making us all look bad. No, I'm doing my job, and you just look bad because you're slacker, right? You don't say that to them. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, you just say, I'm going to do my best to the glory of God. Um, and we can choose in order to do that in a way that honors God, and we get our satisfaction from God. And in doing so, let me just say to you, give yourself a break. I feel like part of this comes from this American mindset that we have to be the best at everything. And there are people I know that they, even though they're not the best at everything, they talk like they're the best at everything. And they lie and they embellish because there's pressure in our culture to be the best at everything. Listen, you can't be the best at everything. God didn't you create that, create you to be the best at everything. There's eight billion people on the planet. If you tell your kids you can be whatever you wanna be, it's a lie. It really is. How many presidents get elected every four years in America? One. Just do the math. If every person in this room told their kid they can do whatever they want to be, and if they want to be president, they can be president, the math doesn't hold out. Am I right? What you tell them is you can be everything God wants you to be. That's truth. Because if God wants you to be president, you'll be president. I'd vote for you. Anyway, take that out of the, anyway. Okay, sorry, that was a moment, okay. So as we do, as we do our very best to, the, to honor God, that's what he desires out of us, right? And as you're doing your very best, then you don't have to compare yourself to everybody else because you will stand before God Almighty and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. This is so freeing for everybody when you understand that it's you and God, and that's, you have an audience of one to please. And he created you. He knows your heart. He knows what you're capable for and capable of. So when you realize that he gives you these gifts, James 1, 16 and 17, gives us a solution. The solution that gets rid of our pride is realizing that all that we have comes from God anyway. 
James 1.16 says, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So when you realize that, you know what, if you're great in education and you just learn real easy, that's a gift from the Lord because all of us don't have that, amen? I mean, I was the guy, man, I am such a slow reader. I have to read, read, read. But you know what? Speaking comes real easy to me. I mean, I know people that they're like, man, I just can't get on stage in front of people. I love it. I get energized. I love preaching and teaching, but other people would hate being up here. Does that mean you're less than? No. Does it mean I'm more than? No. These are our gifts that God's wired us. The fact that I'm not great with sitting down with a book and focusing for more than 13 seconds, God understands that, and he helps me, and he gives me a way to make sure I do those things, to, uh, to read and study and be prepared. That's the hard part for me, Okay. God's wired us all differently, and if we could just quit comparing ourselves with everything and realize if we're great at something, all glory be to God. If it's not our strength, okay, maybe that's not where God wants me to focus. Now, you can't say that on stuff like love and forgiveness and things he calls us all, well, I'm just not good at forgiving, so it stinks to be you because I hate you forever. You can't, you can't say that, okay? I'm talking about things you do as far as like working and serving and those things, okay? All right. You know what I'm talking about. Second thing, uh, second type of comparison is the one I think we struggle with the most, and that is comparison which leads us to covet others. Okay, we don't use that word a lot, do we? That word covet's not something we, we say a lot. We probably use the word more like envy, but coveting's a little bit more than envy. Envy's like I really like what you have and I really like to have what you have. Covet's like I really like what you have and I really want to have it and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to either take it from you or get it somewhere else. It's like you, you have to have it. You, you, are, you are burdened by the fact that you don't have it. You are angry and bitter by the fact that you don't have it. You are coveting. It is so big a deal that God put it in the top 10 when he gave us the 10 commandments back in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it says, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, let me say, I am very grateful that I can say, this is a sin that I haven't wrestled with a lot. I've never coveted anybody else's donkey. <laughs> and I feel like that's a pass that I get from the Lord so far. So, but what is it that you covet out of other people? You know, when you see your neighbor pull up and they got the shiny new car and you, you get angry, you go, not fair. I work just as hard as they do, and you get frustrated. Is it your brother-in-law that, man, it seems like whatever he touches turns to gold, and they get the bigger house, they get the swimming pool, they get the, and it just seems like whatever he does, he always gets a raise, and you're sitting there going, I don't get it, Lord. He's not even a nice guy, and I'm doing all the work over here, and you begin to get bitter, right? What about on social media? You know, you see all your friends that you graduated high school with, and wow, look at the house they're living in. You don't know they're taking a picture of the neighbor's house, posting their eye. You don't know that. You don't know where they live. You know, they're posting about their vacation to Europe and the Bahamas, and, and you're going, oh, how did they get that? They're posting pictures about their perfect vacation and on the beach, and 
The kids are all smiling. Uh, of course, Mother's Day pictures, we got, we got some, some uh, selfie spots out there, and I was helping a family after first service take selfies, and the dad said, can you get my kids not to, to want to stick their tongues out every time we do this? I was like, oh, yeah, my kids never do that. You know, it's like, but I did give a tip. Here's a tip. You try this afterwards. I said, you tell them, look, we're going to do a crazy picture and then a happy picture. So you let them do their crazy picture where they stick their tongue out and look all goofy, and then you do a happy picture, and sometimes it works. They'll actually behave for the happy picture. So let them do the crazy picture. Try that today. That, that might be the best thing you get from the message. Okay. All right, so crazy picture, happy picture. Comparison. So if we're coveting other people, wanting our kids to be like theirs, we're gonna be miserable and make our kids miserable. If you're a teenager and you're coveting the parents of your friend, you're gonna be miserable, they're gonna be miserable. If you're coveting the intelligence, the fact that your, your sister always made great grades and she flew through college with no problem and you're struggling, you're gonna be bitter and it's gonna tear you apart. Am I right? So why do we covet? Man, God calls it a sin. And for me, that's the first thing that helps me get victory over covetousness is when I realize this is a sin. Now, it's kind of like the sin of worry. You know, we, we kind of paint it in a better light than it really is. I have people say to me, oh, you know, I'm just a worrier. I, I'm just a worry ward. And we say stuff like that. But I never have anybody come to me and go, oh, you know, I'm just a murderer and a rapist. And, <laughs> and you know, sometimes I just kill people for fun. You know, like, I mean... We, we, we put different levels on sin, right? We put worry on this sin level down here, and we do the same thing with covetousness. We put it on this level like, oh, it's not that big a deal. I just, you know, I just want a bigger house. It's not that big a deal. I just want a nicer clothes and, and that kind of thing. It's not that big a deal, and we, we fill it out. Now, I, I dressed up nicer today for Mother's Day. I, you know, we got to get the Mother's Day photos after service, so I was like, I'll dress up for my wife for Mother's Day. But you know, it's funny, I, as I was preparing this message, I didn't realize it. We'd already picked out my clothes. Everything I got on is from, from Goodwill or thrift store because that's pretty much where I shop. We did that by necessity when the kids were young because we were broke, raising six kids. I'm just telling you, like, that was a necessity. But now I'm like, I just can't bring myself to pay 70 bucks for a shirt anymore. It's like, oh, my goodness, I can go same brand. I just have to look around a little bit, right? Why do I say that? I'm just telling you. You can look at somebody next to you and go, I wish I had their motorcycle. And you don't know, maybe their grandma gave that to them. You can look at somebody, oh, how come they got that new, that fancy shirt? Well, maybe, maybe somebody gave it to them for Christmas. We got to quit judging each other and comparing ourselves to other people and love the life we've been given. That is where you will find peace and joy and quit wishing you were somebody else or somewhere else and choose to love the life that God has given you and put in front of you. So recognize it as a sin. Call it out when you see it in yourself. Call it out when you're on social media and you're like, oh man, that's just not cool. They're getting to go on another vacation. Be happy for them they get to go on another vacation, right? Praise God, he's blessing them so they can go on another vacation. Enjoy the one you'll get to go on. First Timothy 6, 6 through 8, Paul has given us a nugget of insight of how we can find joy without the comparison. It says, 
true godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. Paul's there. This is great wealth. Godliness with contentment. I know people who have more money than I do, more houses, more this, that, and the other, but they're still waiting to find that contentment in the next big thing they buy. Am I right? Right? That is the struggle we have. That is why God is warning us to to reject this sin because it leaves us in a state of, of dissatisfaction daily. But if we have contentment and godliness, we have great wealth. Verse 7, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can take, can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Does everybody in here have enough food and clothing? Can we be content? We can because God has blessed us. Every good and perfect gift we have is from God. James tells us every good and perfect gift we have comes from God, the Father of lights, the Lord of love. And when we start recognizing that the things we have, our food, our clothing, the roof over our heads, these are things we can be thankful for. And the thing that will really give you this contentment is the last, last nugget here, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is to be thankful in everything. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I have learned that if I will take my time and in my prayer time, I will be thankful and literally start praying out loud all these things. Lord, I am thankful for my family. I am thankful for my health. I am thankful, Lord, for the food that, that you give me each day. I'm thankful for a roof over my head that doesn't leak. I'm thankful for a car that runs. Now, sometimes it's hard, right? In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, notice it says in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, okay? That really helps me because there's some circumstances that come along that are horrible. They're discouraging, They're crushing, and I don't go, thank you, Lord, for my problems today. I love them. They're awesome, but I give thanks in all circumstances because even in those times, there's hope. My son called me two days ago. He says, Dad, I I think the truck, my little truck that we use, he said, I think think the truck is shooting uh, antifreeze out everywhere. There's stuff going all over the ground. I said, oh, I said, that just doesn't make sense to me. I said, it's been running so good. I said, get down there and smell it and see what it smells like, because maybe it's just water. He got called me back and said, no, it's not antifreeze, it's gasoline. I was like, oh, great, that's wonderful. That's even better. And I, I said, you know, I don't think it's gasoline. I said, he said, I think I lost a quarter of a tank just in the mile I drove, these two, couple miles. I said, oh, that's, you're exaggerating. There, you know, you'd have to have like a major leak to do that. And he said, I think I did. I said, Okay, well, I'll come look at it. So, <laughs> so I crank it up, and like the fuel hose must have had a, a split the size of the Grand Canyon, and like fuel's just everywhere when I cranked it up. 
And I, I, was, I didn't go, oh, Lord, thank you for one more opportunity to work on my truck. You know, father-son bonding, you know, it's such good stuff and so grateful to get to go to Riley's and so much fun. But what I did say was, Lord, thank you that my truck didn't burn to the ground. Because we see those vehicles on the side of the road that burnt to the ground because of fuel leak, right? So even in that, I can be thankful because I know that God is still blessing me. If you can apply these two things and get rid of this comparison trap, you can find joy even in the hard seasons. You can be grateful even when a lot of things are falling apart. You can be thankful for what you do have instead of being bitter about what you don't get. You see the difference? It really does bring you joy in your life, guys. It really does. The last thing in Matthew 20, the solution to comparison is God's grace. When you realize that God is so, so uber generous, over the top generous with his grace, that he has blessed us so much that we have the good news of Christ, and that has that gives us the opportunity to have hope and freedom in all circumstances. When we realize we have been given this much grace, it really can flow into every other area of our life. Matthew 21 to 16 is a unique story that Jesus tells. He tells this story, uh, and it seems a little bit unfair in one regard. See if you think so. Matthew 20, verse 1. For the holy nation of God is like the owner of a great field. Okay, so he's using this story to describe what the nation of God is, okay? He went out early in the morning to hire workmen to work in his great field. He promised to give them a day's pay and then sent them to his great field. Later in the morning, he went to the center of town where people gathered. He saw men standing there doing nothing. He said to them, you go to my great field and work also. Whatever is right, I will pay you. And they went. Again, he went out about noon and at three o'clock and did the same thing. About five o'clock, he went out and still found others doing nothing. He asked them, why do you stand here all day and do nothing? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said, go to my great field and work. Whatever is right, I will pay you. When evening came, the owner of the great field said to the boss of the workmen, call the workmen, give them their pay, start with the last one hired and go to the first one's hired. The workmen who had been hired at five o'clock came up and each of them got a full day's pay for his work. When the workmen who had been hired the first thing in the morning came, they thought they would get more. Kind of makes sense to me. That was my, that's not in the Bible. That's my part, okay? Just... Just to clarify, they thought they would get more, but each one got a day's pay. After they received it, they talked against the owner. They said, the last workman hired have only worked one hour. You have given to them the same as to us. We have worked hard throughout the heat of the day, but he said to each of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me when I promised to pay you a day's pay? Take your pay and go. I will give the last ones hired the same as I have given you. Do I not have the right to do what I want to with my own money? 
Does your eye make you want more because I am good? For those who are last will be first, and the first will be last. I remember when I first heard this story, I quickly agreed with the people that had worked all day. Like, that's not cool. I worked all day, and I made 100 bucks, and this joker over here worked one hour, and he made 100 bucks. That's not fair. We ever say that, that's not fair? Listen, God's not fair. He is generous. He is loving and kind and gracious. And he didn't have to hire any of those people that day. He was generous to the first ones that he hired when he walked through and said, you know what, I'll give you a job today. Because guess what? They didn't have a job at that point, and they couldn't have fed their families at that point. They were waiting for someone to give them a chance. And God was generous to the first workers because he gave them a chance to earn money in the first place. And then he went back, and each time he was generous to each group of people because he saw their willingness to work, he hired them. But he also was generous to realize that if they only worked one hour that day, they can't feed their family on one hour's pay. And so the generous owner of the fields said, I'm going to pay all of these guys a full day's wage. He was generous. That is the grace that God offers us. Some of you, when you came to the Lord, man, you had a lot of baggage. I, I talk to people when we do premarital counseling, I'm like, listen, some people come into a marriage, you know, with a, with a set of luggage, that much baggage coming into a marriage. Some people come with a little U-Haul behind the truck. And some people come with 18-wheeler behind the truck. It's the same thing when we come to, to a relationship with Christ. Some come young, and they're so precious at seven, eight years old, and, and they got these little cute little faith, and they're just like, I believe, you know? And they got their whole life to live before the Lord, and they will get their reward to enter the kingdom of heaven. But some come later in life and have a lot of baggage and a lot of forgiveness that they've had to call out for and a lot of sins that they've committed for years. And it feels almost like, man, they've got this U-Haul. And then others come, and man, they've done a lot of stuff wrong. And they've got all this baggage. But you know what? The Lord is generous to us all because all of us are separated from God by one sin. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is that he paid the price for you and I, that we might all be forgiven, that we might all be set free, that we might all be victorious and experience the full grace of God. Now that lights my fire. I am grateful for the grace of God. So today, I just wanna give you a chance to follow that grace, to experience that grace. If you would stand with me, we're gonna give a, an, an opportunity to come forward today and uh, the way we've been doing it is on the left side over here, there's some, some prayer benches. And if you wanna just come and talk to Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, man, maybe it's been a tough week and maybe you aren't feeling real grateful and you just need to talk to Jesus and say, Lord, I need help. And you wanna come put it before him and then come and there's something powerful about bringing this to the Lord.
Over here on my right, there's some prayer, some uh, prayer needlers as well. And if you come over here, then someone will pray with you. As you kneel, someone, one of our staff, our deacons will come and just lay their hands on you and say, can I, can I pray for you today? And you say, man, I just need prayer. You know, I'm struggling with this or I'm wanting to pray for my, my son, my daughter. They're struggling with this or that or whatever you need prayer for. And they'll pray with you over there. And then we have the prayer room open in the back. If you need some extra time and you just need to unpack stuff for a while, that's what that room is for. Just we have a, a couple back there that will listen and pray with you. And I'll be up front. And let me say, I don't know if you've ever experienced the grace of God, but it is amazing. And it's something I want for everybody in this room. That if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to talk with you and pray with you and help you understand. Understand that God's grace is such that if you're here today and you're like, man, I got, I got that tractor trailer, Pastor. I got that U-Haul baggage. You know what? It's time to unhitch the U-Haul and give it to Jesus. And his grace is the same for somebody that started work at the beginning as a young child or someone at the very end. That's the grace our Father has. If God's speaking to you today saying, I want that, then come forward. Let's pray together. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God, love people, and impact the world.